0: I tend to choose Jesus because it is Jesus Christ who transformed my life and I'm who I am because of Jesus Christ. Maybe just to start with. When I became a Christian way back around 1980 it should be 81 or somewhere there. It was through an invitation of a friend. I I think I shared this story with some were here the first or second week when I started attending urban Village Churches. I was invited to the church and at that moment I was looking for my personal identity. I'd grown up in an environment where I was so marginalized because maybe to some of us it might not make sense but I tell you my parents divorced when I was too, too young to know what was taking place. And that level of being a child of parents who divorced stuck on me and it actually formed the basis upon which people looked at me. I was sort of like a marginalized outcast within the community in, in which I, I lived. I grew up with that stigma until a time when somebody invited me to church. And because of the community I grew up in, with at the church, My life was completely transformed. I started finding out my personal worth because of the people who surrounded my life. From thereafter, it has been a story of hope. Every step, every stage I went into life was made sensible because of being a Christian. I will tell you just a few insights. When I came to the United States of America, this this is a dream. You guys may not understand it, but it's a dream come true for me just to be in the United States of America. I never could have imagined myself boarding a plane for 35 hours, coming 10,000 miles away into a completely different world altogether. First world, ours is actually third world. I'm not very sure which countries fit in the second world, but I know it's... (laughs) I know there is first world and third world. So when I got to America, I looked at myself and said, here I am, I'm a stranger, I'm right at the bottom, everybody's up there. And you know what? I'll give you two good examples of, who, of what Christ is capable, capable of doing. He actually takes us from the dust and actually put us somewhere where the kings are. I sought an internship with West Pennsylvania annual conference, just for an internship, a summer internship last, last, uh, last summer. For sure I got the internship. I went there and I was invited to attend the, the annual conference there. And I was identified, I don't know who identified me, but I was requested to participate in a worship service. That was marvelous. You know, among thousands of people who had gathered there in, uh, in uh, West Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh, I was invited to, to participate in a worship service. And here I am, right in front of people, you know, given a script to read. But I said, God, you are such a wonderful God. How can you identify me, a stranger in this country, and ask to speak to all these people who are so well up in the first world? That's who God is. He lifts us up from underneath and puts us somewhere there. I was so excited by just that event. So I went to the general conference for the first time again, and uh, you know what? When my seminary heard that I, I, I'm going there just to observe the, 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 the general conference, I again, I was asked to participate in a worship service at the general conference in St. Louis last uh, last week. Again, in front of all those thousands of people, here was a guy from Zimbabwe, a novice in America, Asked to participate in the, I didn't take a very big role. All I was asked to do was to wave my flag and say, "My light, I shall let it shine, let it shine." You know, you know, running just in front of thousands of people, they're just letting that light shine. To me, that's a sign of hope. So, my brothers and sisters, I encourage us. No matter how people judge you. You are who you are because God loved you. We are created in the authentic image of God. Amen. Now, let us go through the word for today. We read John chapter 1, verse 35 to 45, which, is a, a, which deals with call narratives Jesus Christ calling the first disciples. Christians are generally agreed that the church exists for the sole purpose of making disciples of all nations for the transformation of the world based on Jesus Christ's great commission to his disciples that is found in Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 to 20. However, the great commission over the years has turned out to be the great omission the Great Commission has turned out to be the Great Omission. What do I mean by that? We all love our Jesus and we wish our friends and relatives do the same. But unfortunately, a second thing is also true for most of us. How many of us, if I, I come from a background where people really respond, how many of us wish our relatives and friends way to also accept this loving relationship with Jesus Christ, with God through Jesus Christ, if you can just wave. How many of us wish our brothers knew Jesus Christ, our sisters knew Jesus Christ, our parents knew Jesus Christ, the community I mean, love Jesus Christ? I do. I'm one of s- such people who really wish, and I thank God ever since I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, my family, my, the Chihuamazi family is now a Christian family, and I'm so glad about that. we have a uniting factor, which is the love of Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, a second thing is also true of most of us. Many of us do not know where to start. Inasmuch as we would like to share our faith, we do not know where to start. In a research carried out by by one Christian organization, it was found out that approximately 95% of all believers do not know how to share their faith. And many of us it comes down to one reason, fear. We fear we'll say the wrong thing, we fear we'll not know what to say at all, we fear we may do more harm than good, and we fear that we might offend someone. We fear that we may fail. But here is a truth we really need to understand, and take to heart Jesus Christ commissioned all Christians to invite others to a loving and authentic relationship with God through Christ we are all commissioned to invite others into a loving relationship with Christ in spite and despite our fear now Sharing one's faith should be as natural as and easy as one homeless guy sharing with another where the soup kitchen is or where a shelter for the homeless is being offered that particular day. Sharing good news is not supposed to be a hard task. It should be as easy as one homeless guy telling another homeless guy where the shelter is being offered that particular night. That's good news, isn't it? I'm passionate about evangelism. And I know some people take evangelism to be very toxic because of the way, probably how they experienced evangelism at some point in time. But I'll tell you what. The word evangelism is not an English word. Neither is it an American word. Neither is it a Zimbabwean word. It's a Greek word. <laughs> and the word simply means, in Greek, it's evangelion. That. Translated to English, it's good news. So, good news can never be toxic. But, however, there are so many good things which have been turned toxic because of the way people have uh, handled them in, 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 in life. Now, my professor, my evangelism professor, Reverend Dr. Tisdale, tells me he argues evangelism is a bias for good news good news about what Christ has done and what Christ is doing and what Christ will continuously do in redeeming this world. Evangelism does not reject any person. What it rejects are messages and powers that would deny people the ability to share in God's gracious redemption through Jesus Christ. Evangelism denounces whatever stands between people and God's redeeming work. Even if it is the church or Christians that form these hindrance, people who pass judgment on other people in the name of Jesus Christ are not doing evangelism. Evangelism is there to redeem people. I'll tell you a good story about Africa. Africa, like in my country, my, my country Zimbabwe, We were under colonial rule for a hundred years. And I'll tell you what, if only the good news had not come to Zimbabwe, we would still be under colonialism today. We only managed to fight uh, against colonialism when the missionaries educated us that you are an authentic people, people created in the image of God. And with the help of the good news, we managed to claim our rights. So, evangelism is good news of the redemption of humankind from all forms of oppression. This is my encouragement to the congregation at Ab- Eben Village Church, whatever people say about us, whatever, whatever people think about us, we should stay in love with Christ, knowing that we are not who we are because of how people define us, but who we are because of how God created us. And God loves us. This world needs Jesus Christ. This world is full of people who are hating each other and hurting as well. And some who have resorted to take harmful substances in a bid to hide themselves from the harsh economic and social conditions of this world. I'm trying to remind us of the people around us who have got no solution in sight. Some who are even contemplating suicide. And in some cases, we have seen some people who have shot each—I mean—shot themselves to death because they could not see any reason to live. And I'm saying, my own proposition is. They can only turn away from that when they see and receive Jesus Christ in their personal lives. Jesus has the potential, has the power to transform the way we see the world, the way we look at each other, the way we treat each other. And when that happens, we start enjoying what John 10 10, verse 10 says, the abundant life in Christ. Like Hannah said, You cannot continue enjoying freedom when others are oppressed around you. There is still hope even in the United Methodist Church. But for hope to be restored in the United Methodist Church, even under the current circumstances, we need Jesus Christ as a church. People are waiting for someone to introduce them to Jesus at a personal level. Here is how I think we can do it. Is it not amazing how John narrates how two guys who became uh, became Jesus Christ's disciples, the Gospel of John says, the two guys were actually John Baptist's disciples. As John saw Jesus passing by, he said, behold the Lamb. Maybe let me just explain it a bit. These guys had been walking around with John, and John was not claiming to be the Messiah. He was telling them that a Messiah is coming. Even as a church, we are not claiming disciples, but we are trying to let disciples Jesus, see Jesus Christ. And when only when they get a relation, into a relationship with Jesus Christ, do their lives become transformed. So, John told them, Behold the Lamb of God. When they heard that, the two disciples, Andrew and John, started following Jesus. So all these two guys were waiting for was a personal introduction to Jesus Christ. We hear that soon after Andrew, and soon after that, Andrew invited his brother Peter to see Jesus. The following day, Jesus called Philip. And soon after that, Philip also invited Nathaniel. It became a chain reaction. A simple invitation may work wonders. Have you ever referred someone who needed help to where that person could, I mean, to where the person eventually got help or he he or she badly needed? Be it a a supermarket, be it a a shop where there was cheap items. Have you ever referred somebody to that type of a shop? And that person came back to you and said, thank you very much. I I, I was really, have you ever done that? If you have, how did you feel? You feel good, isn't it? It's so amazing that people are so ready to to refer some people to a shop, be it Target, be it Walmart, be it CVS, but they are afraid of referring people to Jesus Christ. Where it's a matter of life and death. Now, Now, why did the disciples follow Jesus Christ? Have you ever had somebody follow you? It's a strange feeling. You would like turn and ask that person, hey, what are you looking for? If you, ha- if you have a read, uh, later Bible edition like mine, you may, know according, you may know according to John that these are the first words Jesus spoke in the Gospel of John, and they are remarkable. The first words of Jesus in public ministry are in the form of a question what are you looking for? There is perhaps not a bigger question Jesus could ask of us today. What are you looking for? Today he would ask, why did you come to Villa Church? What are you looking for? It is a question he asks of every person who considers following him. And he asks us today, what are you looking for? So in turn, they replied Jesus' question with another question. Jesus, where are you staying? To me, obviously, these guys wanted to spend time with Jesus. So when they asked Jesus Christ, where are you staying, it's not a question of geography, wanting to know where Jesus Christ was asking, where man was staying. But they wanted to have time with Jesus Christ. What it actually meant, they had a long story to tell, and it cannot be told on the road. They needed to sit down somewhere and talk about their story. I have a story. I'm quite sure you also have a story. My brothers and sisters, Jesus opted to give a short and precise answer. Just follow me. Probably Jesus knew that these guys had long stories to narrate and a lot of unanswered questions with them. So, What is the word today? What if today's message is reminding us that we do not have answers to people's lives? We do not have answers, but we are still commissioned to invite others to a loving relationship with Christ. So our task is not to answer their unanswered questions, but our task is to invite them into a relationship with Christ. Our task is to point them where they can get their answers from. And our duty is to point them to Jesus where they get their answers. The church is the body of Christ through whom God ministers to God's people. So I say my brothers and sisters hold on, hold on, hold on to your faith. Whatever, whatever means and whatever opportunity you have to invite others just point them to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ will do the rest. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I want to thank you, and I just want to assure you and affirm you, I love you all. Amen.